Before we start, I acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land from which I'm speaking. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. In our daily life, the decisions we make define us and the experiences we have. But decisions are often complex, can involve multiple people, present various outcomes, and call upon judgment and experience. Welcome to the Decision Clinic podcast with me, Paul Gordon, CEO and founder of Catalyze APAC, with almost 20 years experience leading decision-making transformation and author of Hard Decisions Made Easy. Learn how to overcome problems by making great decisions and listen as I sit down with real people to discuss and diagnose real problems. Welcome, Amelia, to my surgery. Thanks very much for visiting today. And I hope that I can help with a bit of a diagnosis and maybe a prescription for whatever it is that you're dealing with. So, you know, one of the things in decision-making is context is everything. So I'd love to hear a bit about yourself, the situation that you're in, and, and yeah, what has you come today? What what ails you in the decision world? Oh, and I love this because my first business is called Art Pharmacy. So where prescription, you know, where art lovers get their prescriptions. So this is like the best <laughs> podcast ever. Perfect, yeah. Well, and, and remember, Remind me afterwards when you leave the surgery, perhaps we need some of your art in our in our reception. So, Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I'll prescribe something for you. I run a business called Art Pharmacy. We do um, artworks in the public realm, corporate art collections. We've been going for about 10 years. Uh, we've done Deloitte in Sydney, Melbourne, doing Western Sydney. Do a lot of public artworks. So generally we work with artists in that sort of way four or five different, I suppose, niches. And then last year, within the business, within the art pharmacy, we were doing like digital artworks. And we've been doing that for about three years. We put like a massive digital artwork at number 80 Collins Street down in Melbourne. If, you, if you're down there in the Parisian end, you'll see the the works. Uh, and then last year, I've decided to start Sugar Glider Digital, which is which you know, because I've been, you've, you actually helped me with a bit, a bit of a decision. I came to your house and was sort of half falling apart and you rescued me and with, with your gorgeous wife. So yes, thank and, you. And sometimes we do do consults outside of the clinic, but yes, you know, yeah, that was that, great. That was, I had that to, was a special one. That, yeah. that was the middle of the night when I was knocking, going, "Help me!" <laughs> so Sugarglade Digital, what we're actually finding is um, we're just focusing on digital artwork for large screens. But what's happening now is a lot of our clients are getting a little bit blurred, like how we discuss each side. Also, what's happening within the business is uh, people are coming through art pharmacy and that should have been art pharmacy's, you know, revenue, I guess, or, mm. you know, profit, but we're actually having to give it to Sugar Gladys. So I'm sort of eating up my own business. <laughs> okay. um, and then also when we're talking to clients about who we are as well. So I feel like there's just a bit of a blurred line. I'm sort of being in it and we, I, I go, oh God, this is really annoying and then try and solve it. And then it doesn't it sort of gets solved. And I think over time it will. That's why I'm here today is for right. you to help me do a bit of surgery, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what we can do. So one of the first things I've tried to do that I guess allows me to use all the tools that I have at my fingertips is kind of frame things as a decision. Yeah. So how might you think of that situation as a decision? Is it the decision where to put a piece of work through which company? Is it the decision what to say to a client? How might you frame that up as a decision? Oh, um, Oh, that's that's a good question. Not really about because the two different businesses are very separate, and mm. and one's a tech business, yeah. and we're looking at um, opening in the USA. And I've just been on a big trip, so it's it's ve they're very totally different businesses. They've been set up as like just different. Mm. Um, but what we're also finding is we've got a lot of the art pharmacy team because they know how to manage art projects. They're coming back and working within Sugar Glider as well. So it's sort of having them a part of it being the project team. 
I suppose the decision is like, how do we talk to our clients? Like, you know, do we call ourselves a sister brand? Is it a totally different other business? Um, the other decision is, do we also, the costs that go back to, for sure, glide out of art pharmacy. Right. So we're sort yeah. of, you know, as I said, it's sort of, it's eating itself up. So, because we've got to be, have two different businesses that are, and one, I've got investors in one, it's my own business. Right. So it's, yep. and I'm the yep. only, only, sh- only shareholder as it yes. were. So it's a little bit complex, actually. Mm, okay. That's, that's, that's definitely complex. Thank you for coming today for this. Um, <laughs> and so maybe, don't you name any names, but perhaps you could talk to a specific example of, let's say, someone that might have where that conversation is kind of, ah, this is really, should should be an art pharmacy piece of work, but actually they're engaged with Sugar Glider. But maybe talk through that as an example and we yeah. can sort of pick it apart a little bit. And I've got a couple of examples. So one is um, we've recently had um, a client that came through Art Pharmacy and then they came to our, our launch for Sugar Glider, and which is a number one Martin place. We have these big digital artworks in there. And at the end, they're like, we decided to put digital artwork in there, you know, in our office. Um, we've got a screen. And then even though it's come through Art Pharmacy, it's actually definitely digital art for sugar glider so we've mm. when we decided to push it into sugar glider because that's what it is but then i've got one of my team who runs art pharmacy saying well actually that is a it's an art pharmacy revenue because they came through us but now you're having to give it back and i was like well that's sort of naturally going to happen anyway so that's one example where they've got a digital artwork and now we're running the whole job mm. through sugar glider but with art pharmacy I'm still having my team member help me and manage the project for me on this side as well. So it's sort of like the decision of, I suppose it's something obviously for my accountant and how to sort of work this out mm. as well. What's also happening, so that's one example. The other example is when we just had like quite a large property developer come in and they're, they're talking about different artwork for the reception, artwork like mural artists, and then they came back down to the TVs. So where they're, it's, they're, they're quite a large uh, developer and they build aged homes and we're looking at digital artwork for their screen for right. patients with dementia. Yeah. So that's another thing. It's like, well, it should be, it's like half it's with art pharmacy and half it's with sugar glider because you've got the, the digital art assets. So that's also what's happening as well. So there's two different. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, yeah. Does that make sense? It's yes, sort of yeah. like, <laughs> so now it's sort of splitting the business as well. And then just ma- just generally managing the projects as well because with art pharmacy, we are um, subject matter experts. We know how to manage a project. We're doing it for so long. And with this new business, it's still sort of, you know, it's all my, IP, I guess, and how I've been, you know, managing the project. So I still, even if I'm, because it's a new business and we're we're growing, and I need tech people in there and people that are operational. Mm, but yeah. it's sort of I need the the team from my other business to sort of really make sure it's it, it runs the same essentially as yes, projects, yeah. but in a different kind of way. Does that give you a good grounding? Yes, I think so. Yeah, and I can hear that one way we could frame this as a decision, and and this is just uh, dancing around to see what will be helpful for you. Obviously, I don't know your business intimately, yeah. so. You could look from, is there a distinction? So a decision could be, should art pharmacy continue to do digital art? Yeah. Or should art pharmacy just say, we don't do digital art because that's our sister brand, Sugar Glide Digital, that's what they do. And so any client engagement in the art pharmacy realm that then moves into the digital space becomes a handoff to a Sugar Glide Digital. And so so that's a way you could frame that decision. Mm-hmm. So that's what is, is look at it, let's say, from the art pharmacy end and yep. say, is this a, a, a and, and so that that could be a way to look at the decision. Another way to look at the decision is simply to say, well, we know people are going to find us and the two different businesses in different ways. And there might be a natural way. And then it could simply be, how do we classify our clients? Well, this client is a referral client from Art Pharmacy into Sugar Glider Digital, or this client is a core Art Pharmacy client. Then you could look at in that realm, you start to look at the relationship between Art Pharmacy and Sugar Glider Digital. 
Is one a supplier to the other, which could be in either direction? Is one a partner to the other? How do you structure that conversation? Because that could be, and, 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 you know, what I heard, and often in decision making, we look at, we sort of, we want to understand where the constraints are. And what you said at the beginning, you know, one of the constraints you have is the two businesses are structured quite differently. One has investment, one has other shareholders. There's a different, completely different structure compared to the other. And so it's not as simple as the decision isn't just, well, you know, why aren't they the same? Because mm. clearly they've been, you, you've set them up for intentionally differently from each other. Just one thing to ask you, which I think might help other people listening as well to this, is what's your rationale for why they're two different businesses? No, that's a good question. The thing is that when you work with artists, the traditional artists there, they are not programmed differently, but they're coming from a different medium where with technology, you can have something up and it's quick and it does take a long time to make that work, but generally it's on a screen in and you can have it up directly really super quickly where yeah. with with this other piece you have to move it in it's very physical you have to install it even though you've got the screens you've got to install it's a different kind of thing where you're working with those sort of artists it's very very different mm. in, in some sort of ways as well and you're having to like work with new technologies as well and old technologies with mm. with the screens with a lot of what we do, a lot of the time is actually being very solution run. So you're going on site, you know, you have to measure things, you've got to find out like what you mentioned about your reception here. Yep. You're like, you, I've got to see where I can hang the artwork, how big is it? Are you allowed to hang it on that wall? Is it going to be a sculptural piece? It's a different kind of solution mode where this technology side is like, like I was down in Melbourne just yesterday and we we're looking at some big digital screens and we had to look at what the black box was, how old it was. Some right. of the systems yep. are quite old. Some companies have actually gone under. So it's it's like being a solutionist within the technologies as well, which I'm having to like get my head around. So it's a uh, yeah, it's it's sort of like in real life, and then in this technical world, it's mm. it's using all different parts of the brain. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes, so I can hear that. Sounds like the two businesses have two, let's say, different core skill sets. Yeah, that is their, I guess, their uniqueness, and maybe. You know, it'll it'll help me if I think of one as an art business and one as a technology business. Yeah, is that fair? Is that yeah. is that a, you know? A, yeah, a, definitely. A, I don't want to oversimplify things, but if that's clear, that's the distinction. Then then maybe the decision is more about the relationship between the two f from a given client perspective. That's why I asked about a specific example. Often decision-making can be very abstract and we can kind of go, well, what do I do about this? But the more we can kind of drill down to, well, here's in reality how that looks, we then kind of face a decision that we can make. So, you know, if we went back to an, a hypothetical example client who, let's say they were a client with Art Pharmacy, so they're, they're, let's call them an art client. So what they're looking for is art. It happens that, that they're the medium they're interested in. And let's just... Let's say for, for simplicity, they're interested in mixed media, right? So yeah. they might have some installations that are non-digital and some that are digital. So I, I can imagine that's not untypical. Yeah. So they're naturally a client for Art Pharmacy because, of course, they want the expertise of running the projects for the commissions, for the installation, for all of the things that, that, that you just described from an art perspective. And then the question then becomes, well, the digital piece, how, you know, the decision for them is how do we sort of make that happen. And so an option could be, and frequent listeners will know, I all start, when I start to think about decisions, I want to drill into what could some options be? Because once we have some options in front of us, then we can find ways of saying, well, which option feels like it might be the most attractive option. Mm -hmm. So an option for that particular client and that particular project might be effectively to 
contract Sugar Glider Digital to do the digital delivery, as in the tech piece, as in, well, yeah, my office has these big screens. I want that piece of wall. You know, as we sit in mm. this podcast studio, there's a piece of physical art on. In fact, it's interesting. There's a physical art, piece of art over there, and we've got a digital screen yeah, uh, to, right. behind you. And to my right, we have a digital screen, right? So this is a perfect example where we could say, yeah, I need art on both of these. That's right. And the, I could hear in that situation, art farmers who would be, here's what we'd how we'd support you and help you in deciding what's what and what fits where. And then, ah, oh, but we still need to actually put it on that screen. So instead, and, and I might be making this bit up, but instead of, of art pharmacy contracting a tradie to come in, and I'm going to be a, a bit, probably a bit crass here, but to come and screw the thing on the wall, yep, yep. you're now contracting Sugar Glide Digital to come put the thing onto the digital screen. Mm. So the decision could be for an art pharmacy client, mm. how do I, or what do I do to get the art in the place I need it, some things will naturally be done by art pharmacy mm. because that's that's the core business of the physical yep. installation. And then some bits might be done by Sugar Glider Digital, where you say, well, of course, our natural partner for the digital delivery of, of this digital artwork is over here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, yep. and is that, I guess, you know, what we're trying to do is look to, there's options and mm. in decision making, there's options and then there's criteria. There's things that say, well, what has us think about one option might be more attractive mm. than another. And one sort of in my head, as, as yeah. we speak, one of the sort of criteria I can hear is something to do with playing to strengths or core skill sets or something. And in that situation, the decision called, how do I get my digital art delivered would yep. be, well, an option called, well, art pharmacy could be one option. Sugar mm. Glider Digital could be another. Yeah. And the choice might be leaning in the direction of Sugar Glider Digital because the a criterion called playing to strengths yeah. is a natural place to go. Yes. In the same way as if we were, let's say, not talking about art, but you were talking about the finances of your business and you were looking at a range of accountants, how you might pick which accountant to use. You know, it might be that I know he doesn't, but it might be your husband has an accounting firm mm. and you might say, well, actually, I'm going to be predisposed to going to him because I know it's his core skill set. It's a whole bunch of reasons, criteria that lead you to him compared to all the other accountants I could go to. And I could hear that a way to look at this decision, yeah. just, just this, this one example, could be, okay, who could do the digital delivery? And it could be Art Pharmacy, because of course you've done that before, before I'm yeah. picking it's been around a lot longer than Sugar Glider Digital. Yeah. So you've done plenty of digital art delivery. Actually, maybe I could just ask you a question about that that would drill into that a little bit. Before Sugar Glider Digital existed, how did you get the black box and all that stuff? That How, yeah. how did you do digital delivery for work from Art Pharmacy? Well, um, yeah, just through the screens really. And I actually had quite a few, I mean, we've done about seven projects already within mm. that, within right. our business. Because what's happening at the moment out there is with large developments, they're using screens as public artwork because you've got to give 1%. This mm. is here in New South Wales, in Australia. So you give 1% of your budget should go to public art and now they're, they're installing screens and screens are a part of public art. Right. So yeah. it has to be confirmed by your council. And we're usually, we, we are the consultants for that. So we write the art strategies of what kind of artwork you want to see on the site. So that's one of our, I suppose, you know, what we do a lot, like we're many, managing many projects like that. And then once you've taken on that project, you deliver the artwork. Mm -hmm. um, and that, in that case, it was a, a digital artwork um, that meets the requirements. And that's only right. just happened in the last couple of years. Yes. Yeah. 
and maybe again, as much for the benefit of other people listening to this yeah. as, as for you, and I also don't want to oversimplify it, but it, it, this sounds like this, you, this could be a kind of in-source, outsource kind of conversation. If you look from the art pharmacy perspective, mm. if you sit there with a client, a range of things you're trying to turn out, and then you say, well, we have to deliver something digital yes. to a device, and it might be there's some technical complexity in that in terms of how you even get it on there, and, and I've no, no idea about these yeah. things, how you can get it on there. It's not just as simple as plugging in, I imagine. Yep. You know, it probably even needs a computer or whatever. All that complexity, your art pharmacy can say, well, we've done that before ourselves, so we can do that ourselves. So that's an in-source mm. question. Or no, we could outsource. Well, if we outsource, where do we go? So next decision, where do we outsource to? And of course, the, the natural direction is, is Sugar Glider Digital because of course that's Sugar Glider Digital's core expertise and capability. Mm. And I guess who knows whether there's competition for doing that digital delivery piece, but that might be part of the conversation when you sit as a decision inside art pharmacy. Then given that decision, wherever you go with that decision, of course, then there's other pieces that you talked about. Well, how does that work in terms of payment and what's the relationship? And I guess, as you said, that might be a question for your accountant rather than for mm, your decision doctor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess what I would say is that as, from a decision point of view is to make sure your mm. assumptions about that are clean when you start. So in any decision, there's always a range of assumptions. And sometimes the challenge is we make decisions without realizing the assumptions. And then it's the assumptions that trip us up. Back to that example, if you if you assumed you would use Sugar Glider Digital for the digital delivery of that particular artwork, and your assumption was, well, because we're sisters, they do it for free, or because mm. we're sister companies, I, you know, art pharmacy provide the human resource to manage the, the digital delivery mm. project through Sugar Glider Digital, then those things could be assumptions that aren't clean. Mm. And then at some point, someone turns around and says exactly what you said. Well, hang on, we, we've either just eaten all of art pharmacy's business mm. or we've, um, Sugar Glider's not making any money because they keep doing all these, you know, whatever, right? There's, yeah. a, there's some things that as we track through the decision that unless we've got them clean in front of us, what might the assumptions mm. be? How does it, what does it cost? How do we pay for it? What's the right kind of pricing? Without that, we can get ourselves stuck um, and find ourselves, you know, in, in the situation I can see you're concerned about that, you know, a future that looks like, yeah. you know, the two businesses don't thrive because sometimes because of how might they, the, how they might be impacting each other. And that's a great synopsis there, I think, especially thinking about how, and that assumption idea, I think that clean assumption, I think these questions are actually coming from my staff within art mm, pharmacy yeah. saying this was actually another, you know, the job that's coming through the real estate. It's actually an art pharmacy job. So it's actually not me because the assumption is, oh, okay, well, we'll automatically do it. But then they're like, well, actually this should be, you know, for because we've got targets, monthly targets that we're looking at. And so that's, so that's, that's where it's all come from. It actually hasn't come from me. I'm making the assumption. So I think that was really good to recognize that. Just wanted to stop you there and just mention that. Great. Thank you. That's, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this is helping in some direction. As I say, I'm also thinking of the listeners win similar situations. Obviously, yours is unique mm. with that relationship, but um, I can certainly hear it in the outsource relationship. And also, I know there are lots of businesses out there that have these sort of, let's say, ill-defined partnering relationships where they say, well, you know, me and you, we're buddies. We could do some business together. Yeah, I'll, you know, you're excellent at something. I'm excellent at something different. And together, we can work together. And then it gets very muddy when we actually start to say, well, what does that look like in a real client situation? Does did the client come to you or to me? And who, you know, all of that complexity can suddenly, um, especially because, you know, um, I'm sure you're, you know, I know you are, how passionate you are about what you do when you're in the middle of the client engagement and you're drawn into the, these unconscious cognitive biases that are a big thing at play in decision making will have us not want to deal with some of that subtlety or some of that 
what might appear tricky detail in terms of where does money flow and how do we manage resource i want to get the project done i'm, I'm you know my focus is on a great outcome for the client and then suddenly you're going to unpick it all at the end and that's you know again that's another common challenge in decision making is we make the decision unconsciously and then we deal with all of the fall out because we made it unconsciously. And I like that. I like that idea because you're right, because I, I don't want to end up in six months' time where I'm having to like organize these ideas mm. then. I rather yeah. like, and I'm always like thinking, how can I do this better? How can I do this better? And I think you're right about that. Like leaving it right to the end, then you've got a mess to untangle, even though you've delivered the right product. It's actually, you know, that business mess. You just want, I, I love everything clean. I want everything to be running yes, <laughs> the yeah. way it should, you yes. know, it's, um, it's true. And sometimes you can just turn a blind eye, right? And just yeah. be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll wait for that to when it's becoming a bigger problem. So if we look at the decision from the art pharmacy end, imagine mm. it's an art pharmacy client who's looking for a range of different artworks, including some digital. The decision is how do we do the digital delivery? And the answer could be we might in-house it because we have that capability or actually know our commitment is to work with our partner, Sugar Glide Digital, so we outsource it to them and we get that outsourcing arrangement really clear. And if we then look at it from the Sugar Glider Digital end, now Sugar Glider Digital has a new client called Art Pharmacy. Art Pharmacy are requesting a piece of work to be done by Sugar Glider Digital. And the cleanness of that, of course, then puts Sugar Glider Digital in the world where other art pharmacy-like businesses are also saying, Sugar Glider Digital, we need you to deliver digital art mm. in this way, and we know what your core skill set is. And so then that would position Sugar Glider Digital to be really clean on what it does mm. so that there's no um, mischief. Now, what I can hear with that clarity, then, of course, someone knocking on Sugar Glider Digital's door saying, oh, I know what you do. You do digital art, don't you? Great. I need some art. Then the decision for Sugar Glider Digital is what to do with that client. Mm. And it might be, well, are we Sugar Glider Digital experts in uncommissioning and understanding art and specifying art in spaces? Or actually, are we a tech company specializing in the digital delivery? In which case, we refer that client into Art Pharmacy. So the decision is, what do we do with the client? And you start thinking back to our, you know, the one criteria that just popped into my head around playing to the core capability. Actually, that's not our core capability. We have this company over here where it is. We refer that client over to Art Pharmacy. Yeah. And then we say, and of course, we'll do the digital delivery piece of that. Mm -hmm. So really, I guess, getting clean on what the core capability is yep. and therefore naturally what happens with clients. Now, the other piece I can hear in this, which you mentioned it in terms of where your team, you know, let's say the art pharmacy team mm. and then might be getting involved in certain projects because of their capability in project management. So, so there's another decision in there. As you can tell, yeah. I'm always hunting out yeah. decisions. There's another decision in there, which might be, a, let's say, a sugar glider digital decision called how do we resource a project? Yeah. So yet the project presents, it requires this much time and effort and skills. Yeah. How do we resource that project? This, of course, would be a common problem with lots of businesses, especially, mm. you know, businesses that are maybe resized as a result of, you know, whatever, asking me the question, hmm, how do we resource a particular activity? Well, and of course, then we have some choices. We have hire our own people. We have contracts and people. We have who knows what, right? So from that, so this is a different decision, really, if we just stand in the shoes of Sugar Glider Digital and say, and, and the reason I picked that standing there rather than art pharmacies, because obviously that's the newer business. And so I would imagine its resource base isn't necessarily yet well established. And there's a you know, few things that you're probably working through. So if we look at that decision called, how do we resource a project, then some of the options would be hire someone, contract someone, outsource, etc. And obviously, I'm putting words into your mouth, but you might ask me, how would we make that decision? Well, that's 
then I'd start to say, well, we want to be in line with whatever the strategy is for Sugar Glider Digital. So if the strategy is to have, you know, a strong skill base with lots of human resource, then it might be, uh, yeah, we need to hire people in. Or it might be that the strategy and the growth of the business is more around the intellectual property and the tech and less around the people. And actually, and particularly given that you have um, investment, you know, there may be the investment strategy might say, actually, we're not, we're not interested in growing headcount. We're interested in growing technology and resources and IP. And we're always going to want to use third party headcount, whether it's contract or associate or whatever that we can. What might some of the just interested in particularly this, I know this will be a value to people listening. If we look from Sugar Glide Digital perspective, what might some of the drivers be as to whether you would hire capability in or maybe you'd contract in capability? What could some drivers be? Oh, yeah. And that's actually a really good question because I was sitting here thinking about that as well because I'm actually interviewing at the moment and I sort of think, well, what do they actually need? Like with our art funds, everyone's got art history degrees. It's just accidentally happened like that. Yeah. I did hire someone that didn't have an art background and it didn't go so well right. because okay. – you know, if you don't know the difference between a watercolor painting and an oil painting, or you know, just even some of the mediums, it does. It, you know, trying to describe the artwork, if you, it's it is it's a lot harder for you. So I didn't think that that was a problem. I think also we do need to have that passion. Like, so this is another thing: is art is so specialized. And even now, because I've learned my lesson from the first business where we hired someone that came from a really great placemaking business that I, I thought is very transferable skills, they didn't have that art, and that's the same with this. I don't know if I could. I mean, yeah, no, definitely I could. I, I, I've sort of looked at what my strategy is to mm. move forward, yeah. um, just how we're going to hire, and because we're look, we're we've got a, um, our round opened at the moment, which is a really bad time to to mm. raise at the moment. It's just taking mm. longer, but yeah. um, I'm just accepting it, yeah. and I think yeah. it's actually not a bad time to be thinking about projects. We're looking at like the operations um, and hiring in. I don't know. I mean, potentially it's the operations, it's the sales, and it's the admin, and then you'd have the specialist of the art. Yes, yeah. people in there that would, you know, that are the client, the art liaisons, I guess you call right. them. Yeah. They're working directly with the artists talking about them. And we're finding artists as well that aren't digital artists. And then we're working with animators. So then there's that extra right. complexity with that as well. So it's not just delivering digital art. There is that underlying component of that art side because everyone can do content, right? And, mm. and there's a lot of marketing and advertising agencies that actually make content, but it's just sort of you know, it's from themselves. But what what our point of difference is is that we're actually working with artists within our community. That so um, that's something for me to consider and ponder on and how mm. you get that because I find it very easy to hire for art pharmacy, but to find Sugar Glider, it's a lot harder because I do want someone that has that big business acumen. It's a bit different, but then also have a passion for art. I yep, think that's yep. really important. I mean, we had this amazing woman that walked in the other week. I just felt like she's going to struggle. I was like, mm. I think you're going to struggle actually not understanding what our ethos is of, and that's so that's something another another yeah, thing another that I'm really right then. another yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> just add it to the list, eh? So again, I'm sitting in the problem. I'm, I'm seeing it, and the nice thing is when and this is my third business now, I can sort of see a trend of what yes, to these yeah. decisions. So it makes it easier the more businesses you start and end or keep going with of how you know how you you, you do those decisions. But it's um yeah. Did, did I go? Answer your question well, around that way. I think so. And it was you certainly, and so yes, and you know, it's just a useful thing for us to explore in sort of the last few minutes of our consult, yeah. because I think the it's obviously a common challenge out there. How do I hire the right people? 
And what I'd say about all, always with decision-making, first thing is to have a process. And I, obviously we have hiring processes. We know what that looks like, but have a decision process. Okay, how am I going to make the decision called either hire this person or not, or hire which of these people should I hire? That's a decision and you need a process for that, a decision yeah. process. Also in that process, you need a view, what works for really good decision-making is a view of a range of who some stakeholders might be. And particularly, I imagine in, in the, the sugar glide digital space, you know, there are stakeholders, there are shareholders, there are other people that are interested in the business. You're clearly a stakeholder. Some of the art pharmacy people might be stakeholders yep. because of their interest. So think about who they would be and the part they play in a decision. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they need to interview, doesn't necessarily mean they need to read the CV, but they might be involved in some part of the hiring process, the decision process for hiring, even if it's helping you work through what, what are the, the criteria for good people. Mm. And when I think about decision-making and, and people, things like skills and so on and capability are given, it's more how do they align with who we are. So yeah. you talked about the passion for art. If you, yeah. you know, if you really distill the essence of the sugar glider digital kind of ethos, mm. then you know, some of your criteria will emerge from that. Maybe there, um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe it's about a can-do attitude. Maybe it's about really being passionate about art. Maybe it's about uh, wanting to stand for the cause of, mm. uh, I don't know, greater visibility of Indigenous art. I, I don't know, but there, there'll be some things I can imagine that you'd say, yeah, those are key criteria for us in, in a human that will work well for us. And getting those clear first mm. and using other people to help you get those clear could really mean you're well set up once you start to see potential people to go well actually how do they stack up against that they might have all the skills and capability and everything all you know the cv looks good but as a human mm. being how will they fit especially in a newer business where the culture of course is going to be defined by those earlier hires the cleaner you can be on okay, these are the criteria that I know mm. is, is going to lead to a good person. And, you know, you're in a good spot because you, with having this being your third business, you've got plenty of experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just what I should also say for the, our listeners is one of the challenges in decision-making is sometimes experience can be our enemy. That's it can right. be, here's all the bad experiences I've had. I start making my decision from, I don't want to do that again. Mm. And that's not a great place to start a decision yeah. from. You want to start from, from, here's what I want to achieve and here's what good looks like. Okay, I've got some criteria. Mm. I've got some options in front of me on the hiring thing just by the way one of the the opportunities of having a good decision process that you've agreed you know who's going to participate your stakeholders you know how it's going to roll you've got your criteria and that allows you to then maybe look more widely for candidates because you've got a very clear here's my capability and skill mix here's also my criteria now i'm confident that if i see someone who might be a bit left field if they stack up against that that could be a great hire whereas if i'd just gone down the i need someone with this specific set skill set and, and nothing else then you might narrow your options down so yeah. just as a thought there as we kind of yes. um think about you know maybe your next set of decisions around yeah. hiring yes. uh, there's a few little pointers there that might might help in the decision yeah. space for you and thank you. Yes, I love the idea of three criteria or five. And actually, I did write them down because mm. we thought about who do we want. You know, we mentioned, um, I think it was one of them was being autonomous, that you could work autonomously right. yeah. at any yeah. time. And we wrote, wrote down three words. And I actually yeah. now when I meet people, I'm like, do you meet these things that you've, I, I, and you can tell, can't you sometimes? Oh, so, yes. And yeah. it's, it's, it is nice. And that was a clear decision of what we did. And I think you're right because I love the idea. I'm just going to back you up there that, um, you know, I call it playbooks, like that EOS idea or Pinnacle. There's a new book that's come out from those guys. Right, yeah. And those playbooks or, you know, the process document of that, yeah. I have to say, and that's how we got B Corp as well. It is so good having those process documents. And because I'm going through this at the moment, I need to go back over my process document of hiring. 
and looking at that. So thank you for the reminder today, Doctor. That's very good. You're very welcome, Amelia. <laughs> I hope that's been valuable to you and, and to our listeners. And um, really good luck with the two businesses. It sounds very, very exciting future. Mm, and of course, you. feel free to come back to the surgery if something else pops up on your journey. Oh, thank you. I will. I'm sure I'll be back. <laughs> Thanks, Amelia. Have a great thank day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Decision Clinic podcast with your host, me, Paul Gordon, CEO and founder of Catalyze APAC and author of Hard Decisions Made Easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to click follow for all future episodes. And for additional information and resources, check the show notes or visit me and my team at catalyzeapac.com. I look forward to welcoming you to the Decision Clinic again soon.